1: Time we're ever getting excited about sex From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want Judy! I want Judy! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show
2: me! Budget did it again!
0: Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bretton I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big titty sea
1: <laughs> hey buddy what's going
0: on <laughs> hey doing good shane we got a little bit uh, different show today we got a guest lined up brett sianka of pick six previews he's going to give us his take on uh, the sec the 2019 season he gave us uh, each a preview edition of his preview magazine the pick six previews we really recommend this we're going to jump to that here in a minute but before we do shane we got some news out of Gainesville.
2: Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> well, it turns out Shane, you know, the big Week 0 game, there was, uh, you know, a, a little bit of news here for both Florida and Miami. So let's kind of start with the Miami angle, but I just thought it was interesting. Gator fans obviously know this news by now, but the Hurricanes have already announced the starting quarterback and they're going with uh, and Williams, the redshirt freshman. And this is a guy, Shane, was once committed to Kentucky for a long time. Sorry about that, Ollie. This guy, <laughs> from what I understand, from what everyone's saying down there, you know, everyone thought it would be Tate Martell or the incumbent. I think his name was Perry something or other. But on Williams wins the quarterback competition. So I just thought that was kind of interesting, something we needed to note. And in addition to that, Shane, college game day is going to be on the scene in Orlando for this week's zero game, but – it's not gonna be at the game, as weird as that sounds. It's gonna be at Disney World. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> what the? What do you make of this one, Shane? Oh, that's horrible, man. What? Are, this is football, you know. You had all summer for Disney. Jeez.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, they're gonna put it like on top of a train or something. Like. Oh my
1: God, this is awesome. Where's SEC gonna be? <laughs> are they gonna do week zero? Yeah, but they're
0: actually going to be at the game. So, I mean, that's why I prefer SEC Nation. They seem to care a little bit more about the games than uh, than riding around the train at Disney.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, hey, real quick on this Miami deal. So, Tate is the uh, Ohio State guy, right?
0: Right, and apparently he, like, left the team after finding out he wasn't the starter, but he's back already.
1: So, I mean, he, he's full of drama, as you'd expect. So but, uh, Tate Tate loses the job to a guy that was almost committed to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Fields goes to Ohio State to get that job, but mm-hmm. is probably going to get beat up by Gunner Hope, <laughs> which is the was the backup at Kentucky. Am I am I getting this right? Am I making this story up, Mike? Well, you're not making it up. The Ohio it sounds, State. It sounds like a Disney movie, Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The Ohio State coach did make some comments that made it seem like Gunner Hoke is, you know, neck and neck with Justin Fields. We'll see if that holds true. I think he's just trying to motivate old Fields, who probably thinks he's got the job locked in already. But it would be one hell of a story if old Gunnar uh, beat out Justin Fields, wouldn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. It's magic. So
0: sticking with this Florida-Miami game, Shane, I just thought this would, I thought you'd appreciate this, but... Uh, Keymore Gamble, Florida tight end, who's from the Miami area. He's got a ton of friends that play for the Hurricanes. And uh, he was asked during his most recent media availability about the fact that him uh, him the gators kind of going back and forth about it. I just thought you'd appreciate this.
2: You're from Miami, the um, Southridge area. What's so like this, this game is first game here? I mean a lot of I mean, a lot of trash talking. It might get heated up in the pregame. <laughs> next Well they call me mostly every day. <laughs> they call you? Mostly every day. I'm what guessing you? they scared of us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> they asked me like they all like like yesterday, I think Gabriel called they said, twelve days. <laughs> <laughs> just every day he just called me just to tell me that the game getting, getting closer and stuff. Like you
0: don't know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your response to
2: him? I'm ready. We really ready.
0: Alright Shane. so Gable, he's ready that and uh <laughs> If he's accurate here if if the hurricanes are the ones talking trash here, I think they might be in trouble because uh, uh you know obviously the gators are a touchdown favorite in this one, and I think if you're the underdog, I don't think you should be talking much. What about what do you think?
1: yeah, I agree. It's a shame that Twitter wasn't around the eighties, Mike, because we'd have a lot more <laughs> we'd have a lot more back and forth back then, I think you know. So these guys, are, these guys are getting coached up, which sucks because you know they've been chirping all summer long, and now that we're getting close, they don't want to talk as much.
0: All right, Shen, that's all the news we're going to get to today. We got, we do have some news to get to, but we're going to get on to the next episode because we want to get to our uh, conversation here with Brett Sianka of Pick Six Previews. I think you guys are really going to like it. I love this preview magazine. You got to check it out. Uh, So let's jump to it. This is our new segment we're calling fourth and ten. You you guys got all the answers to all that, but I don't. All I know is if we play and we play well, we control our own destiny in terms of what we do. So I'd really rather not have any more questions about is it okay to lose this game?
1: It's never okay to lose a game. Hey, I'm just here so I don't get fined so y'all can sit here and ask me all the questions y'all want to I'm gonna answer with the same answer so y'all can shoot if y'all please Wow that, you know what that's a beakroom yoga stretch you stretched the hell out of it. good job good job I'm not even gonna answer that That's just silly
2: next
0: we're pleased to be joined now by Brett Ciancia, who, if you know that name, you gotta know the Pick Six previews. That's how we know him. Uh, he's given us a preview edition of his 2019 college football preview book, and I gotta say, this is the first time I've actually took a deep dive into this thing. And uh, you've got a hell of a product here. And this is, uh, you know, this is probably my favorite preview now that I've actually had a chance to take a deep dive into it. So I just want to say thanks for joining us uh, off the top road here, Brett.
3: Yeah, thanks so much, so much for having me on. And before we go any further, hey, 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 buddy, <laughs> what's going on? My man. That's my cousin Shane impression. <laughs> but um, anyways, yeah, so thanks, uh, Mike and Shane, for having me on. I'm a longtime listener of the show, um, and I uh, really appreciate the kind words there about my season preview book. Uh, it's my my eighth year doing it. The first seven years, we've been graded as the most accurate BCS and Power 5 preview in America by Stassen.com, which is a third-party site that grades all these magazines and newspapers and online editions. So we've uh, we've gone up against the best. We've held the title for seven years. And uh, in this eighth season, I put together the season preview book where it's all 65 Power 5 teams, 1,500 words per team, and kind of my own angle on the whole preseason preview uh, product with more on program history, more on coaching schemes, X's and O's, and uh, kind of a deeper dive than you'd see on newsstands. So thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a shit ton of information here. This is over 150 pages on a PDF. You know, you could print it out as well if you like to uh, actually physically hold your previews here. I'm sure you got plenty of readers that do that as well. Uh, but before we get into the content, we're trying a new segment here on that SEC podcast. Is calling it Fourth and Ten. So I'm going to ask some questions. Cousin Shane's going to ask some questions, and uh, that's how we're going to do it. We're going to try it. If this uh, if this fails, like some of the other <laughs> things we've done, this may be the only one, but I, th- I think it's going to be a good one here.
3: No, I loved your guys' impression segment. I tried to bring my own just then. So uh, the, the, old coach, uh, the old coach impersonations, those were great. I love it,
0: man. All right, Shane, you've been kind of quiet. You want to start us off with the – what's your first question here?
3: Heck,
1: yeah. I want to start off with uh, Brent. And good. I, I just want to say this, man. I, this is our first interview. Mike hasn't let me do one of these in uh, over two (laughs) years. I think I butchered the first one. So uh, this is my chance to shine. And hopefully it won't be my last interview. So I appreciate you being on, Brett. And again, we're just going to bounce these questions off of you. First question I I wanted to ask you, you know, I'm looking at your book here. First off, it's awesome. It's got me through a lot of conference calls when they're just jabbing. I'm (laughs) looking at your book on my phone. So, But I did want to ask you a top four. I'm sure this has come up quite a bit. There's a team that's not on there. And uh, I'm just curious why you hate Alabama. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, trust me, you're not the first to ask me that. Uh, you know, I've been called a homer and a hater of all 65 teams at this point. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, my, my top four I'll reveal is uh, number one is Clemson. That was an easy pick for me coming out of the ACC. I think the usual powers are down. Uh, you can talk about your Florida States, your Miamis, Virginia Tech. They're all kind of down and going through transition. So Clemson's an easy pick there. I actually go against the consensus out of the SEC. I actually have Georgia coming out of there over Alabama. Um, you look at the last two times they played uh, Georgia really went toe to toe with them. In fact, they had 95% win probabilities in both matchups, the uh, 17 national title, the 18 SEC title. So it's not really even that, that hot of a take to say they should have won both or at least could have won both. I think finally, now they were the program to unseat Nick Saban's 10 year streak of number one recruiting classes. Uh, that. Uh, two years ago happened now they're in their second and third years on campus for Kirby smarts team and I think they finally break through uh, number three I actually went against the national consensus and went with Ohio State over Michigan um, a lot of people are knocking them for their coaching change obviously that'll hurt but uh, I, you know we already saw Ryan days Ohio State in September and they went for you know they played really well they, they beat a talented TCU team before they really got injured later in the year uh, and he helped kind of uh, revolutionize the offense a little bit. So I'm confident what we have there. And then, yeah, so the big surprise is at number four, I have Utah, which, uh, trust me, I made a lot of new friends out of Utah the last couple of weeks. <laughs>
2: um,
3: they're, they're all coming out of the woodwork. But, um, but no, it came down to really there's five leagues for four spots. It came down to either the Big 12 or the Pac-12 for me. Uh, out of the Big 12, I have Texas and Oklahoma splitting their series. Texas also I have losing to LSU. So I, basically I think a two-loss champion comes out of the Big 12. Uh, and the pass was wide open for a Pac-12 team, and I'm going with Utah. They have the number one defensive line in the country, a very veteran offense, a fourth-year starting quarterback, fourth-year starting running back, uh, and really a, a coaching staff that really excels in all my metrics, their player development, their win conversion, which we'll discuss later in the show. But they really grade out well on paper, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're going to either go 12-1 and or even 13-0 possibly
1: up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it. You're not alone. I mean, uh, me and Mike have both predicted Alabama not to win the SEC championship. And I said Alabama would not be making a playoff. So you're not alone. I didn't know about Utah. So I, I learned a lot about Utah this week, buddy, because I had to figure out what's uh, going yeah. on
3: out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I've, I've watched them for a few years now, obviously covering them. And uh, they they left a lot of wins on the table. They've been close to breaking through. Back in October, they went 4-0, and and they were actually grading out at a playoff level, according to my metrics, uh, but unluckily, quarterback goes down, running back goes down, and they kind of uh, hobble into the into bowl season there, so they really were playing great football in October. I think everything's back on both sides of the ball. Uh, NFL talent on the D-line, so I'm, I'm pretty confident they uh, they finally break through. And and that's not to say that I don't think that Alabama could go up there and go 13-0 easily. I mean, on a neutral site, I'd probably take Bama, but I'm tasked with predict, predicting the four that are going to be in the playoff bracket, and uh, you know, Utah doesn't have to go through the gauntlet that Alabama does with LSU, A mm. and M, the Mississippi's, and all. You know, you guys know who they got to go through. So um, it's not really that much of a knock on Bama. I just think that 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 Georgia has risen up to their level now, and and is able to unseat them at the top.
0: All right, Brett. So you kind of hit on it there with your win conversion, that and your player development. These are two aspects of your pick six previews magazine that i've not seen anywhere else can you explain uh, i guess starting with the player development and then working to the win conversion for people that have not seen the magazine can you just kind of explain what those two metrics are
3: yeah sure um so basically I, I have some respect for the analytics guys out there the numbers guys um but really uh it's, it's hard to read sometimes and you just see you know this 0. 0.1241 you know, so I really tried to put analytics in readable terms and readable words and phrases that all football guys would understand. So basically what I did with, uh, win conversion and player development, I look back the, the prior 10 years of a program's recruiting trend, you know, the raw talent that bringing in on signing day
2: mm-hmm. and
3: how they are converting that into wins on the field and NFL prospects, uh, you know, outputting NFL prospects. So basically against their expect, you know, their expectation of what they're signing, how are they performing? So Win conversion really looks at uh, it, it's able to encapsulate uh, coaches' scheme, their uh, in-game decisions, their you know the program's culture, the buy-in, all those all those uh, buzzwords. I can actually numerically look at that there. So a, a good example of this would be uh, look at USC, right? They they recruit top five every year. Um, they can walk, yeah, they can go around the block and find five stars. But uh, when it comes down to it, they're not uh, they're not winning and converting to the NFL. You'd expect them to based on their recruiting expectations. Meanwhile, a program like Wisconsin, they're bringing in two-star guys or walk-ons, and you know, they have the culture set up, they have the offensive identity, they have the every buzzword you want to throw at them, and they're producing wins. So based on their recruiting expectation, they're excelling in the wins and the NFL output. So it's a way to kind of put your recruiting in context of the staff and the program structurally.
0: Now, why I wanted to bring that up, so looking ahead to the 2019 season, particularly your win conversions— now, this is, uh, you've got it ranked, obviously, the top 12 teams, but you also have the bottom 12, and worst in the nation, Texas, and then you got UCLA, 64, cover your ears, Shane, 63, number 10 is Tennessee, uh, 62, South Carolina, but not far down the list here, Auburn at 57, and all these teams at the bottom 12 here that you've got listed, I mean, this is essentially, you know, the playoff error, maybe a little bit before, and... Just by looking at it, every one of these schools has fired their coach, with the exception of Auburn and Gus Malzon. So, and he's pretty low on this win conversion chart. So, I'm high on Auburn. I know you're fairly high on him, uh, based on your pick six preview. Shane has got him one foot out the door already. Uh, is does that? I mean, does Shane maybe maybe he's onto something that you and I are not, considering the fact that Auburn has is, is done so poorly in this win conversion chart.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, from listening to your guys' show, that's how I kind of found out about the whole Gus Malzahn drama down there. It's kind of crazy as, you know, I don't live in Alabama, in the state of Alabama, so I'm a bit of an outsider in that respect. But uh, you put Auburn in any other Power 5 division in America or in, or any other state outside of Nick Saban's shadow, and, I mean, he has the resume, he has the recruiting to really back it up. Um, yeah, so with wind conversion, I, I like to look at the two ends of the spectrum, really the bottom 12, because – a team like Alabama, for example, who's recruiting number one for a decade and they're number one in wins for a decade—that's just the net zero. They're one, number one in both, so they're right in the middle of win conversion. If you can picture that, so
2: mm-hmm. the
3: ones on the spec on either end of the spectrum really, uh, you know, really emphasize the point. So with Auburn down that low, uh, yeah, they're recruiting top ten every year, but uh, I guess being stuck in that division and maybe some some play calling and some in game strategy that has kind of gone sour. I wonder if a lot of the defensive coordinators down there have started to catch on to the system, uh, or maybe he hasn't really gotten his personnel like he did at, at the at the early part of his tenure there. Um, so I think that you have a possibly a better quarterback fit this year, regardless of who he picks out of Gatewood and Bo Nicks, uh, compared to more of the pocket passer with Jared Stidham. So could be some personnel. I, I mean, I, I I'm a Malazan fan as an outsider. I mean, I love love the offensive scheme. I just think that given his division and his state, it's pretty tough to differentiate yourself
2: mm-hmm. so
3: that's where I land with them um yeah you see Tennessee on there sorry Shane but uh
2: <laughs> but uh, they
3: were always the program they're kind of a good case study here right there they were always the program that was winning national signing day with the brick by brick and the you know the cameras yeah. inside the war room there yeah we're doing a snake I feel like that
1: was two questions are we are we not bouncing back here <laughs> getting off getting off track here All right, so uh, I got a question for you, my man. It says here – I was reading a little bit. Did you grow up like a Pac-12 fan? Um, Just curious, were you you a homer? They call me Big Orange Falls. Obviously, I like Tennessee. But did you grow up watching a a particular team?
3: Yeah, it's funny that you go to the Pac-12 right away. I'm actually – as far as you can get from there, I'm on the East Coast uh, in the college football black hole that is Philadelphia. Uh, (laughs) There's no college football around here it's uh it's all Eagles talk and uh it's all pro sports, but you have your your small pack of Penn Staters uh that are out here, but I'm not one of them. No, I actually graduated from Boston College, so it's almost a good fit because they're so far from any kind of these playoff talks and bowl picks and anything that they're so harmless that uh it really doesn't impact my uh, my bias at all there but uh but uh yeah, so no worries there I'm, well you I'm have not, to- uh, you know so. You'll have to get that um, Doug Flutie game when it comes out. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. i am going go on your show there. Um, yeah, so no bias there with Boston College, obviously. But, um, yeah, just growing up, how I got into college football in such a pro area it was just through my dad. I mean, every Saturday in the fall, you wake up, it's like a holiday. We're getting food, you know, catering and <laughs> grilling, the whole bit. You got four TVs going for 12, 13 hours. So, it's kind of just been yeah. a part of my life since as, as long as I can remember. And uh, I love uh, covering every area of the country, and that's – so this whole project this year, taking all 65 Power Five teams, has been really interesting. Because uh, uh, the way I arrived at all this was I spent hundreds of hours watching game tape, uh, spring games, calling coaches, calling coordinators, uh, even listening in a, a ton of local radio and podcasts, such as your own, uh, you know, to become kind of a more of an expert on these programs. And it, it's been a great experience. Awesome,
1: awesome.
0: All right, for my second down, I got to ask you about your game grader specifically for the 2018 results. Could you explain to the listeners what exactly you got there? And uh, I've got a follow-up on the other side.
3: Uh, yeah, sure. So with Game Grader, again, it was, it's kind of an analytic, but I wanted to put it in more of a, a real term, like a readable term. Because, you know, you're watching a game on Saturday and you see the ticker come across and you see a score. I mean, that doesn't really paint the whole picture of what happened that Saturday. You know, just seeing a blank 14-10 score, that could have been five turnovers one way. There could have been one team, you know, outgaining the other by 300 yards. So I've always felt that the final score, yes, I mean, I'm not trying to rewrite history with this, but I think there's you can find deeper analytics out of a game than just the final score. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is on a season scale. When you look at a team, you say, oh, they were a 10-win team last year. That doesn't really tell me the whole story because you want to see who they played out of conference. They could have scheduled four cupcakes uh, or they could have had four four power five opponents. So uh, that, and then also when you stack on top of each other, all these either close wins or blowout wins, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of variables. So I tried to numerically identify, you know, a, a team's dominance in games and in seasons. The way I did that was I looked back, not just the final score, but yardage differential per game, yard uh, yards for play per game, turnovers, all these kind of key stats that you want to know about uh, to kind of get a real sense of what happened that Saturday.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I have a formula with that uh, that factors it in. And at the very end, you also adjust for the opponent level, too, because You know, beating LSU 28-0 or beating Kent State 28-0 is two completely different performances. So it's scaled for opponents at the end, and uh, and then I arrive at a season average. So really what it tells me is when you look at this, certain teams were better than their record, and certain teams were worse than their record. And this isn't anything groundbreaking. It's kind of of intuitive from watching teams play. Uh, The good case study here, I know it's outside the SEC footprint, but uh, with Northwestern and Nebraska, Northwestern, Uh, They went nine wins. They won the Big Ten West, which is a huge achievement for that program. Uh, But really, when you look back at it, they had six games within a score. Uh, So a lot of their wins were close, grinding out games against kind of a weaker division. So the game greater formula has them all the way down at 33rd out of 65. Meanwhile, with Nebraska, yes, they went 4-8. and Uh, It wasn't the kind of season that Husker fans would have liked or Scott Frost in his debut. But when you look back at it, a ton of close games, uh, including the one against Northwestern, which they led by 10 points with like three minutes left. Um, so anyways, you look at all their games combined, they were up at 43rd. So really this is a way to uh, to really get to the core of how dominant a team's games were and team seasons were. So that's game grader. And uh, in the book you see every game is graded. I have their grades there. Also I go back five years and show you team's best five games and worst five games and how they've trended over those last five years. So, kind of a metric I put together and uh, I think people are starting
0: to enjoy. Yeah, so one thing I really wanted to ask you on that that really stands out to me just looking at uh, the top 11 here, or 12, excuse me, Mississippi State number 11, Florida number 12. So Mississippi State graded out just slightly higher on your game grader. Was that a surprise to you considering Mississippi State did lose five games, but I know Joe Moorhead likes to say, "Hey, we were two, you know, receptions away from a ten-win season." It seems like you kind of give credit to what Joe Moorhead says there.
3: Yeah, I mean, they they ended up with five losses and probably the hardest division in football right away. So that's that's one thing. They were only outgained in three of them, though. So they were really a dominant team, especially defensively. I think that this really didn't get enough credit. This this uh, Mississippi State defense—it could be the top, it could be number one, but definitely top three in the country defensively last year. So the defense kept them in games. I mean, you look back at that Florida game, that was a seven point game. Uh, Iowa in the bowl game. I mean, just get under center and sneak the ball. I remember that I was, you know, cause in my bowl pick em or whatever I had Mississippi state and I was like, I was getting pretty frustrated with Moorhead there. <laughs> but anyways, that was a winnable game. That was a winnable game. I mean, they held Iowa who's the, the stereotypical, you know, big 10 offense under center pound on the ball, rushing offense to negative rushing yardage, and they still lost the game. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that defensively uh, it carried them to a very high game grade and season grade, but really the offense, which was a shocker because of uh, Moorhead's roots. Maybe he didn't have the personnel. Maybe it was a bit complex for Fitzgerald uh, in the first year there. So we'll see if there's a second-year boost on offense. I think there will be.
0: All right, Shane, what's your third down?
3: All right, buddy. I've
1: got one. You know, there's a lot of passionate fan bases out there, and, um, you know, the bad thing about making predictions and bold calls – they come at you first. I love reading reviews when Mike puts up his power rankings just to see how many people he's pissed off. So when you came out with this book, who took it the hardest? If you were just a top right – I mean, this is nationwide the top three uh, that,
3: that took your uh, your book hardest. Well, right away, I mean, I, I did get a ton of Alabama feedback, as you if you can call it that. Uh, <laughs> it's funny when put out a- <laughs> Whenever you put out a tweet that has something against the national consensus, which, trust me, I, I don't follow that at all. I just have my own original stuff, and so do you guys. So, so obviously, you're going to differ with the national opinion sometimes. And, uh, yeah, people are pretty vocal on Twitter. Alabama just called me a hater. I mean, I've been, I've been calling Alabama a hater for seven years. Like I said, I'm, I'm used to it. Um, me too, buddy. Oh, me too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can imagine you are, yeah. Um, you know, Oklahoma fans are pretty upset about it because I actually went and picked Texas. And uh, yeah, I mean, I know that's going to be roasted on Twitter, picking Texas, but really what it was with Texas and me was, yeah, the last 10 years, they've had some coaching staffs that have failed. They've, they failed to live up to the expectations that the recruiting rankings would expect. Uh, but really, that wasn't Tom Herman those eight years. I mean, Tom Herman's two years here, they've made steady improvements. And uh, I think that he has a proven track record, what he did with the Ohio State offense on their title run in 2014. And uh, what he did at Houston, a non-AQ, and it took down Oklahoma, Houston. So I'm, I'm more trusting in Tom Herman uh, than I am the past failures of other staffs at Texas. That was the logic there. Um, but anyways, Oklahoma fans were, were hating that. Um, and then, of course, Michigan. I mean, they're the most sensitive fan base in America. You say anything about them, I mean, oh, my goodness. Um, and that, to feel that a little bit, I do kind of, I mean, if a team is going to be, if a fan base is going to be that, you know, sensitive, I might actually egg them on a little bit and I put, always put out stats about most wins in the 1880s, stuff like that, where Michigan was a, the best team in the country, right? So they got a lot of their wins then, um, not so much the last half century or whatever it was since their their last, uh, you know, outright national title in 1948. So, yeah, so I'd say Michigan, Alabama, and Oklahoma. And also, I mean, uh, uh, an asterisk, I'll throw a fourth one in there, UCF. I mean, they were not, they're were they not even in my book, but they always, uh, <laughs> Just assume that they should be covered in power five talks even though they're in the uh the american or the power six as they like to call themselves so yeah UCS fans man relax you had a couple good seasons
1: <laughs> trust me <laughs> i've been on the well, i i'll go back to michigan when we got corvarius crouch and then uh, we stole aubrey and i sent out a couple of tweets i didn't think anything of it next thing you know i'm caught up on sunday i'm message bore up in michigan and i'm getting hit oh. left and right so i get that and ucf oh, same thing calling the national championship so i
3: get Was oh. it ucf or usf yeah you that, that proves the point right there right <laughs> it's, uh, they're, they're so irrelevant it's, it's hilarious um yeah ucf um but yeah the, and that's the thing with ucf fans is once they catch on once they're going to be on you for the next 48 hours on twitter so <laughs> yeah. yeah it's uh, it's quite an experience
0: Oh, All right, for my third dad, I wanted to ask you about these non-conference games, particularly early in the season. Five of your top six involve SEC teams. Obviously, the big big ones everyone knows about week two, Texas A&M at Clemson, LSU at Texas. Then we got uh, Notre Dame at Georgia. I believe that's week four. Uh, Oregon-Auburn week one, Florida, and Miami week zero, and then also, sneaky sneaky pick down here, Appalachian State at South Carolina. Uh, what is it about these games that, uh, you know, you put them at the top of your non-conference list? And any of these games, uh, do you think the SEC could either get blown out or blow out the competition?
3: That's a good question. Yeah, I think, uh, well, first, talking non-conference, I want to get this out there that um – I do put out a lot of tweets about charting how many conferences or, or which conferences are playing the most Power Five opponents or FCS teams. And uh, I always get questions about should the SEC have to move to nine games or be required to play extra Power Fives? I think no. I mean, I don't, I don't think they should. I think they found a formula that works for them. Uh, and it, it clearly hasn't held them back from the playoff. I think it's the Big Ten, the Pac 12, and the Big 12 that are uh, making the mistake here doing the ninth in conference game it's just another re another Saturday that your own conference is cannibalizing. And then you have a 10th game, the, the, the conference title. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, I think that SEC is just doing what's smart. It's not that it's uh, trying to cheat the system. It's, it's the system's working. I mean, anyways, uh, off on that tangent, but um, <laughs> it's a heck of a lineup here. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. First off week zero, you mentioned that for, uh, since they started this week zero, maybe about five years ago, it's been really boring games and, uh, although, even after going seven months without football, you take anything, right? But, mm-hmm. um, no, it, it's good to finally have a big week zero with Florida versus Miami. It's going to be physical. It's going to be, well, if, if Twitter's any indication, it's going to be emotional and spirited and, you know, the rivalry's back kind of thing. I think Florida will get it done, though, I think by about 10. I think the opening line's around seven. But I think the Florida's, uh, I'm really high on them. I have them in my top ten.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
3: that's going to be physical. I think uh, oh, your, your opportunity for a blowout, I think that was the question.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: I think Georgia-Notre Dame is definitely blowout material. Um, I actually had a chance to see Notre Dame in the, in the playoff. I went down to Dallas for the uh, Clemson-Notre Dame playoff game, and that team didn't belong there, man. It was it was clear on um, both sides of the ball. They were totally outclassed, and uh, I think that they're going to be, uh, you know, they were more like a 9-3 and team last year. I think they had a lot of close wins and some fluky wins. I think they come back to reality. I think Georgia at home is just going to absolutely steamroll Notre Dame uh, so that's your blowout factor. Uh, other ones I'm excited about, yeah, just some pers- great personnel matchups. Like with the Auburn-Oregon game, you have probably the, the second best or arguably number one defensive line with Auburn going against a stout uh, veteran-experienced Oregon O-line. So that, like, that battle in the trenches is one to look at for sure. Uh, and then on the, on the outside, the skill guys, I like the LSU versus Texas matchup where both really have top-notch secondaries. And also paired with great of uh, wide right receiver cores too. So, I mean, and they each go five deep at at both units. So, I'm really excited to see both of those. Um, some diamonds in the rough. Yeah, you mentioned App State, South Carolina. Any team I see, anytime I see App State playing a power five team, I get all excited thinking about the old 2007 <laughs> upset in the Big House. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just that; they've had other close calls recently. They took Clemson down on the wire the year they won a national title. They uh, they had Penn State really close in the, in the opener last year, too. So I think that uh, anytime you see App State going into a team like that, it's exciting. Uh, Georgia Tech-Temple I have on there. It's That's a, a coaching rematch with um, you know the Georgia Tech head coach. which just came from Temple.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, and then, of course, here's one last one. I love the whole war, the Utah versus BYU battle up there. That's opening Thursday, too. So kind mm-hmm. of um, the featured game that night. It's going to be super physical. I mean, you talk about two of the best defenses. Maybe not best in BYU's case, but just physical. They're not going to give an inch that game. And uh, There's smaller stadiums out in Utah that you can feel the camera shaking on uh, on TV. So, I'm excited to see that one, too. Tons of games, though. You could go on for an hour on that one.
0: Sounds like you're just excited for college football, just like us, man. <laughs>
3: That's right. Oh, I can't wait. The off-season seems longer every season, I swear. I mean, I'm, I'm ready for it, man.
1: Did
0: you Come hit the off. nail
3: on the head with the week
1: zero of Florida – I mean – if you think about it, it seems like the last 10 years we've been excited about a Hawaii game. So, you know, oh, it's nice yeah. seeing a, somebody different. So, uh, yeah. brother, I've got a it's question. Hawaii. i got a question. Uh, talking about BYUs and Ales, uh, what are the odds that you give percent-wise that the uh, Tennessee Balls win the East?
3: <laughs> win the East?
1: Yeah. Oh. What's your What's your computer saying on that one?
3: Oh, I don't even think it can compute that. Oh, don't me. No, no, no. With, with Tennessee, I am higher than most on them in the national, uh, you know, the, the publications that do previews. I have them fourth in the division. Um, and here's the logic behind it. I think that you have a second-year coach bonus, which I'm really high on. Uh, and Jeremy Pruitt definitely has some history down there in the SEC of successful units. Uh, also, though, The recruiting advantage they have over Kentucky, where I think they're 40 spots ahead in the five-year average. So a lot of people have Kentucky higher uh, to finish. I actually have Tennessee over them. But I I think that there's just two Giants at the top of the division. That's why I have the the chances so low on you. If it was just one that you had to get through and pull an upset, I think anything could happen on one Saturday. But to get through two just huge blocks there with Georgia, who I have in the playoff, in uh, Florida, who and in many other Power Five divisions could be a division champ anyway. Um, yeah, it's it's tough up there, and I mean I hate to say this too, but the cross division is killing Tennessee. That annual crossover with Alabama. I know it's rivalry roots and history and everything, but in terms of win loss record, that's a killer right now. So you already have kind of a game disadvantage, and that's uh, a it's tough to to really gain any, on any gain any ground on the other teams with that oh man i need another beer mike <laughs> <laughs> but no i think that you'll see tennessee as one of the most improved teams in the country this year i think that uh every i mean every coaching carousel i like to go back and look at you know, two or three years down the road how these teams have improved they're falling apart since the new staff and i think you're going to see what from what he inherited to what he's going to put out this year and 2020 i think you're going to see some steady steady increases <laughs> for tennessee so
1: that's perfect for Tennessee. It's up. Next year's our year, Mike. I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> all right. For my fourth down, uh, going back to your game grader, you know that's one thing you hit on there on all your individual team pages. You've got the best and the worst game grades over the last five years, and there's three specifically I wanted to just kind of get your opinion on. But looking at Alabama, their worst game grades of the last five years. Obviously, the Clemson game that they just played their last game, uh, the Iron Bowl from 2017, the Ohio State playoff game, and the uh, Clemson National Championship 2016, all losses. And I don't know, that just made me think of something. I don't know if you're aware of this, but after Lane Kiffin left Alabama... You know, he was asked about Nick Saban and and his coaching method and the one thing that uh, he does not think that Saban does a good job with. And it's basically working his guys too hard in training camp. They come out and they murder everyone to start the season. And by the tail end of the season, they're kind of gassed. And, you know, maybe it's the competition, because this is some elite competition they're facing here. But do you give any added You know credibility to what Kiffin's saying, based on the fact that all you know these worst games are all at the tail end of the season for Alabama.
3: Yeah, there there could be something there. It kind of reminds me of some of the quotes you hear from uh, the from Nebraska back in the '90s when they were the dynasty, when they were the Alabama, right? When they were going, they went sixty and three over five years. But you hear quotes from those players over that Tom Osborne in the back half of his career there, where guys would say, "Yeah, I mean, once we got to Saturday, that was easy. That was the easy part." um the, the whole week at work just mauling each other every snap for you know hours and hours on end against the top talent on both sides of the ball that was grueling uh by the time they got to saturday it was just like you know a run in the park so maybe some of that's true i think alabama obviously is the most uh, loaded roster every season at least on paper so they're probably beating each other up while preseason camp um no i think though that no, I wouldn't go that far. I think that the reason that their losses are at the end of the year is guess when championships are being played for. I mean, obviously you're going to have your hardest games if you're Alabama uh, in in December and January when you're going to SEC title games and playoffs and bowl games. So I think just uh, the level of you know so I think I think three of those right there were playoff losses: Ohio State and both Clemson title games.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: that's nothing to scoff at, really it really uh, is the mark of a dynasty when you can point back and remember each loss. Like I, I can vividly remember there's only been like six of them in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember where you were each time one of those happens <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, and you, you probably forget the other 50 wins, but those, those small moments where Alabama or even Clemson and Ohio state to a degree recently, when they lose, you, you know, where you were, it, it, it kind of shocks the whole college football world. So that's a compliment to what he's built there.
0: All right, now going to LSU, sticking to the same theme there on the game grades. The best game they've played in the last five years, according to your metric, is the Georgia game from last year. Uh, I mean, that was just a physical pounding they gave the Bulldogs. But at the same time, their second worst game was last season as well against Alabama, the 29-0 shutout. Um, I mean, any concern there that there's such wild swings under Coach O, or is that just the fact that they just weren't ready physically for that Alabama game.
3: Well, yeah, I think that, uh, the Alabama game itself, I think you can look at that as an outlier. When you look at the rest of the team's grades throughout the year, uh, throughout the season, they were all pretty much close games. I mean, the A and M game, come on now that, that, I think Coach O got dunked in that game. He should have won the <laughs> yeah. game. Um, yeah, so that one was right there for the taking Florida was an eight point loss. And, uh, yeah, besides that, this, this it was the Alabama blowout. So, um, you know, all I really remember about the Alabama game was just physical dominance. They couldn't move the ball an inch. And I remember Gary uh, Gary Danielson really wouldn't stop talking <laughs> about Devin White. The, whole, whole the entire half.
1: top, first half,
3: was yeah. all about wide. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think that kind of inspired why they're going to go to more of a modern offense this year. At least they're going to attempt it. Um, two reasons. One, because they have the, the personnel to do it with the receiver core, one of the best in the country. But number two, I think that, that Alabama game really uh, symbolized that if they want to break through this division, which uh, if they can do that, that means playoffs, that means national titles. Break through this division and break through Alabama, they got to be able to stretch the field, the field vertically in the pass game, something they have not been able to do all the way for, God, it was a decade. So I think that, that modernization on offense is kind of a reflection of like, look, we got to do something. We can't go 29 nothing. Be outgained by 400 yards against Alabama. It's unacceptable. So I think mm-hmm. that's why you're going with the, the shift down there.
0: Now the last one I wanted to ask you about: Ole Miss. Their worst game grades. I mean, these are some pathetic numbers here. We got some single digits. They're all <laughs> single digits. You got a, you got one of the zero ranking, zero overall, and these all happened the last two years under Matt Luke: uh, the 2017 Alabama, 2018 Alabama, 2018 Mississippi State, and 2018 LSU. Shane, for some reason, thinks. Matt Luke's going to save his job. I think he's going to be gone by the first month of the season. Do your numbers, you know, lean? are you leaning one way or the other when it comes to the Rebels?
3: Yeah, so uh, those are really low grades right there. If you're familiar with the Animal House, uh, Belushi's <laughs> GPA, the 0.00. That's what they had against Alabama. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, it's, it's almost impossible to get a 0.0 in this metric, but they, they achieved it almost twice um yeah with Matt Luke my my view on this is I think that when they went through the sanctions went through the scandal and the transition it almost felt like he was an interim I think he te- he technically was for a year but it, even though he'd been there a few years now two he, years he technically still is like still it, in my mind <laughs> yeah exa- exactly right right so I still almost view him as an interim but I think though that that kind of started to shift this year so they're the bull the bull band's gone the the administration decided to stay with him they gave him some leeway in hiring his staff he hired on um, two former uh, power five coaches. So with Rich Rodriguez and uh, Mike McIntyre coming in on both sides of the ball, I think that's kind of a testament to to Luke to say, Hey, you have the keys to the, to the program, go do what you'd like, bring in whoever you'd like. Um, so I got to applaud him for the staff change there. Uh, in terms of 2019 though, I had them at distant last place in the SEC. Mm. Uh, I think that the, the, the changeover on offense is going to be catastrophic. Um, a lot of times you only look at personnel and, and yeah, the personnel has gone first off, but, Losing their uh, their offensive coordinator, uh, he took the the job over at UNC, Phil Longo. The way that he was able to – so when Shea Patterson went down, the way he was able to get Jordan Teambu right up the speed right away and churn out consistently top-ten passing offenses. I mean, it was unbelievable performances as a coach. So you lose him, there's going to be significant drop-off there. Uh, the big trio of receivers is gone. Uh, some big linemen are gone. So, yeah, offense takes a major hit defensively. I mean, that was one of the worst defenses in the country last year. It looked like a Big 12 unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they're uh, all coming yeah, back, baby. <laughs> yeah, you do have – yeah, I know. You got the returning production. But, uh, yeah, I just I just don't buy it overall as a, as a program right now. So, we'll see if this uh, – the coordinator hires were kind of a, hey, you have a, a longer leash, go do what you'd like. Or it could be a warning sign like, hey, if you don't perform, we have two power five coaches right there. One of them will take over. So I don't really know where they're leaning right now. We'll see how it unfolds.
0: Oh, last thing because I, I want to get it get you out of here. We've kept you a little long. I do want to go over your I don't mind. Your,
3: good, good to talk. Your <laughs>
0: SEC picks. You've already you know went on record. You got Georgia out of the East, Alabama in the West, and Georgia winning in Atlanta. But let's break down uh, division by division real quick here. So obviously Alabama number one. LSU number 2, Texas A&M number 3, Auburn number 4, Mississippi State number 5, Arkansas, and of course we just hit on old Miss. Uh, any of those that you're maybe a little less confident in? Uh, it could be any of them or maybe maybe one that you don't have a good read on or are you pretty solid on all seven teams?
3: Yeah, the the, the true variable really is Auburn. They're the wild card every year. I mean, they could you see uh, you see it year to year they could surge up and push for a playoff bid and go 12 and one and just shock the West or they could tank and you'd see Gus rumors starting up in September and maybe even finally fire him. I don't know, but, but then you'll see a big buyout and everything. So hey, Auburn's just a total wild card. I'm not very confident with where I have them. I think fourth is fair for now. I think they have a very high ceiling of talent. They also have a brutal schedule. So that kind of leaves them stuck in the middle there behind A&M and LSU, but still enough raw talent that I have them above uh, Mississippi state and and the bottom two teams there.
0: All right, jumping over to the SEC East, obviously we already hit on Georgia. You got Florida number two, Missouri number three, Tennessee number four. There you go, Shane. Uh, Yeah. Number five is a tie between Kentucky and South Carolina, and then you got Vanderbilt seven. So same question there. Any of those teams that, uh, you know, you could could maybe be missing the mark on and you're just not quite as confident uh, where you got them heading into the preseason?
3: Yeah, I noticed that uh, I, I try to, uh, and it's not, you know, I tried to ignore the, the rest of the national pundits before I do my own original research and writing and publish my own book. Uh, and then I love catching up on what what they all write too, but I, I don't want to cloud my judgment, right? right? So after I put South Carolina down uh, tied in fifth, I noticed that was extremely <laughs> low compared to the, the national average. I think, Mike, you have them maybe second or third up there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's ground so, their ass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I think that I might have missed the mark on this, so I don't know. I'm a little bit uh, uncertain with South Carolina. They recruit very well, uh, but under Will Muschamp, really, they they really struggled to score points. I know last year they tried to revolutionize the offense, uh, and you saw some results, but then the defense can equal step back. So I don't really know what we have there. Um, he's not very proven to me as a head coach, and um, so and yeah, so I have them down tight in fifth. But who knows? If they if they're raw talent strikes, they could easily surge up the ladder there and they would get bad pick but uh so them down there and i think a team maybe a little too high on might be missouri it's almost a pick on their um you know i trust kelly bryant coming in and uh, it, it's tough when you get a quarterback out of his original surroundings because i think a lot of us i mean we could go play clemson and put up some numbers with, our, with the perfect <laughs> roster around us so um who knows what he's going to be like with a you know a more average roster around him so it wasn't really as much a pick on kelly bryant uh i really didn't have them up that high because of a schedule bonus where they played alabama last year and now in, in, instead of that you trade alabama for old miss so now mississippi draws the two lower teams in the west and i think they'll win both against arkansas and old miss so you almost have a two game advantage right away over my fourth team tennessee which again the schedule in the the cross division schedule in the sec is so make or break for teams uh teams win loss outlooks too so those are two that are variable to look at, but could, could trend either way. You hate champ, Got it. All right. <laughs> I got <it. laughs> And hey, I, And the numbers hate him as well.
1: <laughs> hey, I got one last question for you. You know, everybody knows Tua, Fromm, Swift, Judy. Who do you got as a sleeper? Do you got some sleeper candidates on your list that you think could really emerge this year? Oh, uh, in terms of all conference players? Yeah. Well, let's go SEC if you can.
3: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, one guy, Keyshawn Vaughn from uh, from Vandy, really was a workhorse. And uh, if you watch the bowl game, I think he went off for like 300 yards. I think that that's a guy that, yeah, you have some big names ahead of him with DeAndre Swift and whoever emerges at Alabama running back, they have a ton of five stars there. Probably Najee Harris, but I think Keyshawn Vaughn could emerge. Um, yeah, I- the defense is wide open. Uh, so the only returning All-American on defense is Grant Delpit from LSU. And besides that, it's pretty much wide open. One guy who I noticed was uh, missing from a lot of people's all SEC teams was Nigel Warrior out of Tennessee, and yep. uh, I remember his whole recruitment. That was a big win for uh, for Tennessee. There, I think he's in his fourth or fifth year now. He's very veteran. I think he's going to lead that defense. So I have him on my, on my first team all SEC, and I think that's a little bit higher than most would have. Um, and then I guess one last note: I'll give Vandy a little bit more love for your two listeners out there that are Vandy people. <laughs> um, no. But, uh, no, Kalijah Liscomb and Jared Pinkney, with them both coming back with Vaughn, it was kind of like a big three coming yeah. back for the Vandy offense. And I think it gives them a puncher's chance uh, to win a couple games this year. And when, without them, I think they'd be the clear bottom of the barrel. So I think that it, it keeps them competitive, and, uh, and we'll see if a quarterback can emerge and, and a new offensive coordinator can, can, uh, can maximize the talent there. I like it.
0: All right, Brett, tell people where they can find you, where they can get the pick six previews. We're going to have a link to it. Um on the in the podcast descriptions, on the Reddit page. We'll post all that as well on the social media, but uh where can people find you in pick six previews?
3: Yeah, thanks, Mike and Shane, for having me on. And well I want to say that I've been on a bunch of radio shows the last couple weeks and this one really is one that was uh special to me because I've listened to you guys for you know, tons of episodes the last twelve months. So really That's appreciate awesome. having me on. It's almost like I feel like I know you, it's one of those things. But, um <laughs> But really what it is is you guys, you cover all 14 teams. There's a lot of national media and podcasts that really will just focus on the blue bloods or just the you know the top five and talk your ear off about that. You get tired of it. But the way you guys integrate coach clips, uh, you keep it fresh with, uh, you know, some funny stories, not so much all the technical and the stats, but, and, and also, but you do have the stats to back everything up and, you know, you just your conversation flows and it, it's a great podcast. And I did put out a tweet now, I'll put another one out about how much I enjoy this one. So, appreciate um, it. so thanks yeah, for thank me on. you. Yeah, thank you. And as a as a way to give back to the SEC uh, that SEC podcast viewers, I want to do a discount code on my site. So if you go, if you're interested in buying the book, uh, you can just type in SEC at checkout and get a discount. And again, what the book is is it's my own angle on the preseason publication uh, product. It's more about program history, more about coaching schemes, X's and O's, getting it in, in you know in real paragraphs and sentences because some other magazines are all too much acronyms and too much uh, analytics and weird stats but try and make it readable for the for the reader uh and our accuracy title speaks for itself the last seven years so uh it's a one one-man operation over here and i'm pretty proud of the book i put out and, and thanks for all the positive reviews i've gotten so uh it's pick six com, and the twitter handle is at pick six previews yeah, love it
0: that's incredible i didn't know it was just you doing it but that's uh that just blows my mind even more given the fact that how comprehensive and in-depth and all the stats and research gone into your preview here has uh, definitely just entered into my annual rotation for preseason magazines. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of all of them. I get them. Some of them I just get them because I've been getting them. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. but this one now pick six previews right at the top of the list. Uh, it's really digestible and, Thank you. and all uh, there is a ton of info, but it's not too much to where you need a, a magnifying glass and a decoder to understand it. So <laughs> I really, yeah. I really appreciate uh, what you've done here in, in the layout and I highly recommend it not only for sec fans, but uh, any power five football fan, uh, you're going to get, you know, whether it's Vanderbilt or Alabama, you're going to get the same bit of information on each of them. So we really appreciate that because like you said, We we hate that uh, it's mainly ESPN and them. They I mean they want to talk Alabama and Clemson and then uh, Ohio Uh. Ohio State and then and then we'll get back to Alabama after this. (laughs) But but here here Uh, we we have to hit on all of them because there's fan there's fans of all these teams and they deserve coverage. So we try to give it to them and uh, you've definitely done it here.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I I mean yeah, it's even the smaller schools and the the unranked teams that I actually enjoy digging into deeper because we all pretty much know what Alabama and Clemson have, you know, but digging into some of these coaching changes like unc i mean it's it, it's been interesting so yeah appreciate all the kind words there and for having me on and and, uh, and good luck in continuing to build the podcast i'm a huge fan
0: thank you man thanks brett take it easy man see you guys see you bye all right Shay. so some great stuff there from pick six previews author Brett Sianco i had no idea this was really a one-man operation i knew he was the face of it but i didn't know he was the one putting in all this work uh this really is a hell of a, a magazine i really recommend it for anyone uh, looking for a college football preview magazine that uh, you know it, it that's really in depth and just something new you know sometimes i think you get yeah you get tired of uh, of typical preview magazines that you already got so uh, i thought that was a it was a good interview there and uh, I couldn't recommend this magazine anymore.
1: Dude, it's awesome. It's, this is the first book I've read since high school, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I picked it up and I was like, it's one of those that you go about three or four pages in and the next thing you know, you're like, well, let's just see what the next one goes. You know, and then the, <laughs> the reason that I like it too, is it does the entire, uh, it does all the power five conferences, you know? So you know, when you talk about an Ohio State or something like that, it's a lot easier when you can pick this thing up and just go right to that page and see what they're dealing with. So, uh, no, this fantastic book, fantastic interview, man. All right, Shane, you do we have
0: any uh, reviews or anything to jump yeah, before we jump off here, buddy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Crank that music, Mike. Thank you. For All right, I got. Uh, one here, uh, we've got, this one comes from SGUF1, best SEC pod, five star, you guys do an excellent job covering every team in the SEC while keeping a nice balance of information and humor, keep up the great work, yo, get us, so that, that review obviously wasn't for you, Mike, that was, <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you and uh, i appreciate all the listeners hanging out with us uh rating and reviews really do help us out so if you got a second jump on itunes give us a five star heart uh that like i said that goes a long ways for us
0: yeah we really do appreciate all the reviews we get all the ratings so that really does help us out like shane said we appreciate each and every one of them we give you a shout out on the pod if you give us one uh but i think that's gonna do it for this one, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.
1: All right. See you guys. Go balls. Hey, Mike. Yes, sir. So, Brett tweeted, or he tweeted out that he's recording tonight's show. Uh-huh. The first message from Go Gators. Brett is awful. You're not getting any info out of that clown. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Why you hate the gators, Mike? <laughs>